This is High Stakes from Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. Welcome to High Stakes, I'm David Schifrin. Last week, word came out that Haven, the disruptive healthcare collaboration between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase was not going to disrupt anything. Three years after its inception, the project was shutting down. Despite everything else going on in healthcare, the announcement made pretty big headlines, just as it had when it was launched. Why? Was it really big news, and is there some larger lesson for healthcare to take from the failed project? Is Haven actually a failed project? What insight should we take from the whole three-year cycle? Over the course of a couple of days, we talked with several of our friends who work in different areas of healthcare to get their take. Dr. Lisa Belamovich, president and co-founder of Just Healthcare and a highly experienced radiologist, was one. Also, Marcus Whitney, a partner at Jumpstart Health Investors with a particular interest in the role of technology and innovation in healthcare. Then we spoke with Dr. Brian Vardabedian, Director of Community Medicine of Texas Children's Hospital, The Woodlands. Dr. Vardabedian also writes the 33 Charts newsletter that explores medicine and technology. He can be found at 33charts.com. We also spoke with Dr. David Pate, the former CEO of St. Luke's Health System in Boise and of counsel here at Girard. Here, we take their thoughts and draw some through lines to try to explain why Haven's launch and closure got so much attention and how it can shape our industry's perception of and approach to innovation going forward. As always, be sure to subscribe to High Stakes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. So the first question was simply, what was Haven? It got a lot of headlines, but what did it mean to the industry really? Here's Dr. Belmovich. You know, it's when you put Haven in context of other employer coalitions, that have aimed to change healthcare, like say the Pacific Business Group on Health. These other employer coalitions, which frankly were a lot larger from you know lives covered or number of employers participating, they've made very incremental improvements over time. The thing that was different about Haven in the Amazon Berkshire Chase Coalition was the A of the ABC. If you replaced the A with any other large corporation, the level of buzz would have been so much lower. Everyone was interested in this because of Amazon. Whitney echoed the Amazon-centric view of Haven. So, you know, for me, what made Haven interesting was Amazon. When you think about JP Morgan, it was really a financing mechanism. When you think about Berkshire, it's a, you know, a conglomerate of, of companies. And so, I really saw them as a, as a large employer. Both of those answers are notable because of what they don't include. There was talk about Amazon, and Whitney and Belmovich did note the stated plans to reduce costs and change the way employees interact with employer-sponsored healthcare, but not a lot about where the project actually fit into things, which was the question. This was a common thread throughout all of the conversations. We have some ideas, but a lack of information from the Haven team, which is, of course, their prerogative, made it tough to align the work with the hype. And sure, Haven definitely did its part to get that hype and gin up interest, but Belamovich noted that those outside the organization shouldn't point too many fingers. You know, there's a lot of buzz that, oh, well, healthcare is hard and, you know, and, and therefore it was hard for them to come in and disrupt a traditional industry. But I also think it's a lesson to those of us in consulting and those of us in the media. We put a lot of the buzz and set really high expectations for Haven. And they had a high bar to meet from the beginning. And, you know, they were troubled by, you know, a very broad and unclear mandate. They had a lot of leadership turnover and had a really hard time getting a 
good operating team in place. And so couple that with high expectations. And it's it seems like it is a bigger blow up for the industry than it probably is. It was an experiment that was worth watching and worth betting on, but maybe shouldn't have been expected to be as transformative as we probably thought it was going to be. I asked everyone if they were surprised by Haven's demise. Dr. Pate was not. He said that if you're committed to transformation, you have to be clear about what that means. They weren't. He even got more specific and noted that employee benefits education, part of the publicly available mandate for Haven, is valuable but generally not transformative, and historically it hasn't been particularly successful. Dr. Brian Vardabadian, for one, wasn't sure whether it was a surprise. Yeah, so this question about whether it was a surprise or not uh, is hard to answer because we really didn't know very much about what Haven was setting out to do to begin with. We know that they were trying to provide kind of high-quality care at a reasonable cost, but of course that's the objective of every American employer, I think. So I think this lack of transparency makes it a very difficult uh, question to answer. Uh, I think some have suggested that uh, the lack of ownership by one of the three companies may have contributed to uh, Haven's ultimate demise, but it's, it's really unclear. Again, I think a lot of this comes back to the idea that we really didn't know what they were up to. For her part, and with tongue planted firmly in cheek, I think, Belmovich wondered if fine dining was to blame. I mean, honest moment, there's a chance that the idea of Haven came from Diamond, Bezos, and Buffett, you know, sharing a great bottle of Pinot at Davos or Aspen and thinking, wow, we can come in and fix healthcare and destroy the tapeworm. When on this moment, maybe there wasn't quite as much forethought and grounding. Marcus Whitney said he wasn't surprised, but not for all the reasons one might expect. My, my reaction to the news about Haven is that seems like that was the, the likely outcome, uh, given the, the difficulty of what they were trying to do. And so from, from my perspective, and when I say the difficulty of what they're trying to do, I don't mean fix healthcare. I actually mean the operational difficulty of what they were trying to do, which was trying to take effectively a consortium of, of large employers and, and create a joint venture. You know, three different businesses, three different cultures, trying to do that specifically in the healthcare industry. And then, you know, you layer on COVID-19, which forced every business to sort of really focus on their core fundamentals. And I just think it was the likely outcome. But look, the people at Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan Chase are very smart people. Maybe this wasn't built the right way or with the right expectations, but it's safe to assume that in three years they learned a lot. In fact, if we cut through the headlines, this was a sandbox project, which by definition means that they were looking to learn. So what did they learn? Despite the relative lack of information coming from within the organization, Whitney pointed out that we have gotten some indications. Yeah, well, 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 well Jamie Dimon actually talked about it yesterday at the J.P. Morgan conference in his session with Ken Frazier from Merck. So, I mean, it, he, he said we learned a lot about how difficult healthcare is. And that's, that is my general um, feeling about the outsiders who are coming in to work in healthcare is you can only learn by doing. So you have to put these shots on goal and you have to go get some of these hard lessons out of the way. And they come in the form of perceived failure, but I just see them as necessary steps in the process. So, I mean, I, I, I can't say exactly what they learned, but I could say probably what they learned are things like healthcare is very localized and that, you know, different jurisdictions have different 
challenges and it's very difficult to do a national rollout of a healthcare initiative because of that. I think that's probably one of the big things they learned. I think they learned that overcoming some of the, the, the challenges in efficiency is very, very difficult because the entrenched players are, are in fact very entrenched and it's hard to untangle them from, from the delivery of care as it exists today. You know, I, I, I think they probably learned that there are some areas that they can attack quickly and others that will take a much longer view. And so they've, they've learned what to prioritize, um, where to focus, and where the biggest leverage points are. What else did the Haven team learn? A consistent, unsolicited comment from those we spoke with was the hiring of Dr. Atul Gawande as CEO. We don't need to rehash this. The news was met with plenty of raised eyebrows at the time. But several people pointed to that decision as either a contributing factor to Haven's downfall or possibly a symptom of the lack of forethought and grounding Belomovich mentioned. Dr. Pate said, If the initiative was to revamp primary care, as an academic surgeon, Gawande would probably be towards the end of the list. Perfect for the board, but maybe not for the CEO. Dr. Vardabedian said something similar. I will add that I think their choice of CEO was kind of interesting to me. Uh, Atul Gawande, who is a Harvard-based surgeon, Love his writing, love what he does, but I'm not sure that the decision for a celebrity CEO over someone with more operational experience could have ultimately contributed to its demise. Put it all together, and the lesson that seems to emerge is that yes, vision and energy is good, necessary, but healthcare is an odd beast, and you have to be able to execute really, really well, in fact. Dr. Pate also said that he thinks a lesson Haven learned is that there's a difference between value and cost. Haven, as far as he could tell, was focused on reducing cost. Sure, there are ways to reduce costs, he said, but look at Walmart as a counterexample. Quote, Walmart has done far more to disrupt healthcare. They're doing it in a really smart way because they're focusing on maximizing the value of services more than emphasizing the costs. So what about the rest of healthcare? What did we learn from the Haven experiment? Well, first, a lesson we shouldn't draw from the demise of Haven, according to both Whitney and Pate. I've seen lots of commentary, kind of typical, pretty basic, quite frankly, you know, just talking about, you know, see, it's not that e- it's not going to be that easy to disrupt, you know, healthcare or whatever. And that seems completely misguided from, from my perspective. I don't I don't see it, I don't see it that way at all. I see it as just as a joint venture. Joint ventures are very difficult. And, you know, when you're doing it in the year of uh, global pandemic and everything else. It was just sort of the likely outcome. Pate said, quote, the wrong conclusion here is that healthcare can't be transformed. From what we know, it's far more likely that this was the wrong approach to doing it. Healthcare can be transformed, and it will be, end quote. Of course, he went on, some traditional providers will respond with business as usual. Look at the stock market's response to Haven's demise. Healthcare stocks were up, in case you're wondering, just as they dropped when Haven was announced. But again, Pate was clear that providers shouldn't get stuck thinking that the challenges to the current model aren't going to mount. However, that inevitable transformation will take time and patience. Here's Belomovich. So I think we need to give things time to breathe and we need to judge them not by the buzz, but by the solidness of the ideas and the team that they are putting together and the ability to connect different parts of of the problem or an organization to be able to affect change. And then bringing back a clip we already heard from Whitney. The swift incremental process that over you know, the span of five years is, is massive disruption. Structural and financial barriers likely contributed as well, said Vardabedian. This is a more thoughtful, specific dive into the healthcare is hard argument. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of uh, shows us that high-quality care at a reasonable cost is really a tall order. We have to remember that in the American healthcare system, we are paid by doing things and not by containing costs. And so uh, until reimbursement is aligned with outcomes, an initiative like Haven will always be a tall order. I think it's also important to keep in mind, too, that there may not be quality in numbers. Part of uh, the American healthcare system's race to the bottom is to get as many patients or consumers under one umbrella in order to negotiate for uh, payer contracts. Uh, and in this case with Haven, it may be that the over one million employees of the three companies may not have been enough to impress anyone. And I think it's also worth uh, noting that these uh, employees were spread over three different markets across the U.S., which I think made negotiation for payer contracts particularly challenging. Belmovich tugged on this thread a bit more. You know, your uh, analogy about the sandbox is interesting in that, you know, there's a, perhaps a lot of companies that are, you know, looking to play in the healthcare sandbox and, you know, change employer-sponsored insurance and, and benefits. It's interesting to consider that if we really want industry-changing innovation, the, the employer-sponsored insurance sandbox is a very hard one to play in for a lot of reasons. Benefits change is so intimately tied to the strength of the economy, recruiting talent, retention. You know, employees move from company to company. Companies switch plans in order to save a buck here and there. It's hard to get the consistency, uh, you know, that you need to really affect long-term change. And, you know, in healthcare and an individual's health is about sustained change. So then if Haven didn't quite get it right, who can we look to in this moment for a good example of someone really moving forward and changing the way the industry works? Here's Whitney again. I, I think United Health Group, Optum, at the moment has to be sort of considered in the pole position, I would say, just because they've got decades of true blue healthcare experience and they were ahead of the curve in understanding where it was going, and they built the machine to be able to bridge from who they were to who to where the industry is going. So, uh, to me, that puts them in the in the pole position. Like, if you've really done an autopsy on Optum, it's got all the components that that you would that you would want, with the exception of a true consumer front door. That's the only thing they're missing that the other ones that, that you would mention, the Amazon, the Walmarts, the CVS Healths, they have that part. But but United Optimus got everything else. And so I think that cast of characters is kind of splitting the difference. It's, you know, Amazon, Walmart, CVS, very, very strong on the consumer side. United Optum, unbelievably strong on the healthcare side. I think you have to look at HCA and say HCA, you know, is, is going to be strong into the future, right? You know what I mean? Such a strong operating platform, high value assets, you know, they'll, they'll continue to be valuable. Not every health system would qualify, but I, you know, I would just set them up as an example. I was also interested to know what will happen with the pieces of Haven. Maybe not surprisingly, considering what we've already heard, our interviewees were pretty focused on Amazon's next moves. Earlier, we heard Belomovich mention that the A in ABC that helps drive the headlines was the big thing. She went on to explain that most of the activity from the project appeared to also be coming from Amazon, and they had the vast majority of the employees within the three-company consortium. And it became apparent pretty quickly that most of the exciting things that Amazon was doing in healthcare were being done in Amazon and were kept 
very vocally separate from the work that was being done in Haven. So Amazon is definitely still worth watching, but most of that innovation was not cross-pollinating back to uh, ABC. Whitney also thinks that's worth watching and Amazon's activity will continue in a big way. I think Amazon is, is full steam ahead, you know, as it pertains to their initiatives and what they were going to do. And they were sort of the lead dog in the hunt anyway. And quite frankly, I don't see why they still won't work together, just not necessarily under a blended joint venture. So my expectation is they wound down the joint venture. They probably will still collaborate. They probably will still leverage the innovation that Amazon brings to the table because they were um, aligned in the need for that as large employers to begin with. So my expectation is you'll just see Amazon continue to take the mantle for what they were talking about doing as a, as a collaborative force. I mentioned Amazon's acquisition of PillPack as one of the potential components of the whole puzzle. Here's Belomovich. Yeah, there was a lot of buzz that was coming together around what Amazon was doing over the past year, year and a half. And, and the PillPack acquisition is still foundational for a very big move in pharmacy on Amazon's part. You know, Amazon's special sauce in any area of retail is busting middlemen, coming in and smoothing the supply chain and getting a product more efficiently to consumers. And consumer pharmaceuticals is ripe to do that. And PillPack gave them the foundation to be able to go into 50 states and start busting up that drug supply chain. Uh, and we think they're still gonna, going to make very big moves there. But again, that was very disconnected from everything that was happening with Haven. And then Vardabedian mentioned Amazon's partnership with Crossover. Uh, I do think that we have to have employees as active participants in cost containment. And this is something that as American healthcare consumers were not quite used to. I do think that we also need to explore different models of uh, healthcare in the employer setting. Uh, what is interesting is the idea that during the tenure of Haven, Amazon began a relationship with a company called Crossover, which provides primary care and preventive care to the employees of Amazon. And, and uh, you have to wonder whether this relationship, which uh, is actually going quite well, may have undermined on some level the, the uh, relationship with Haven. Of course, Amazon's customer insight and user experience expertise, the things that really made this a hot topic in the first place, aren't going anywhere. Here's Whitney again. There continues to be challenges around the, the consumerization of healthcare, particularly around payments. And so obviously Amazon's going to be incredibly strong there. Wellness, there's issues there, and Amazon's going to be really strong there. Yeah, I mean, being able to track social determinants of health, well, if you can track people's purchase behavior, you can have a lot of insight into, you know, their their behaviors. So I see it as Amazon got much more efficient in their pursuit of healthcare because they no longer have to be negotiating with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway what they're going to do. They can just, like, do what they're going to do at the speed of Amazon. So that's where we stand right now. We're going to continue exploring this topic as we move forward and some of the other pieces shake out from Haven and we learn more about COVID's impact on the industry as a whole. But in the meantime, where do we as an industry go from here? How should this help shape our thinking about what healthcare is and where it needs to go in the future? Here's Whitney with the last word. So I'm not sure that the disruption that people were talking about is going to look the way that people were talking about it looking. That doesn't mean I don't still believe it's happening. I, I think it's happening right now. 
I think it looks like Amazon. I think it looks like Optum. I think it looks like Walmart. I, I think that the existing players are still highly valuable. It's just going to be interesting to see what kind of role they play in this for, this future version. Five years ago, value-based care was a joke. It's it's really not a joke anymore. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty real now, and there's there's a bunch of different models, and and there's even like provider demand post COVID nineteen because they finally see oh snap something something can actually impact volume, and now I don't want to be overly dependent on volumes, and so P, you're just getting uh, smarter shots on goal than you had five and ten years ago, and so. I still think the disruption is happening and you know it may not be a massive disruption in terms of how we as consumers experience healthcare. It may be a subtle disruption, but it will likely be a pretty significant disruption in terms of who the, the lead dogs in the industry are, you know, who's who's running it. Does that make sense? 